Welcome to the Awakening Church podcast. We exist to awaken this generation to new life in Christ. Thanks for tuning in. To find out more, go to awakeningchurch.com. We are diving in today to the second week in our Salt and Light series. Last week, Chris spoke in gave just a powerful, powerful message. Um, If you didn't get a chance to be here with us, we missed you, and it's on our website if you want to catch it. But today we are diving in a little bit further to the Sermon on the Mount. If you have your Bible, you can feel free to grab it. If you like to use a Bible app on your phone or whatever, that's great too. If not, it's up on the screen so you can read it there too. We're going to be in Matthew 5, starting in 14 through 16. All right, Matthew 5. You... Are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. It's the word of God. Amen. Amen. How many of you guys were with us this year for our Christmas Eve service? A little show of hands. A few of us. Yeah, sweet. We had a Christmas Eve service here. On Christmas Eve, there's maybe 250 of us here together. It was such a sweet time, you guys. We had um, a few of our amazing teenagers play the strings with our worship band, which was awesome. Our kids sang, and they're cute. You put kids on stage, it's just cute, right? So, and my kids were there, so, so cute. Um, it was just a really sweet time to be together, and for me, growing up, I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up as a pastor's kid. Um, one of my favorite memories was our candlelight service growing up on Christmas Eve, and for me, that service was very much like this beautiful image and vision of what this verse is talking about. So I want to tell you guys about my, my memory. You, you okay with that? Come, come along with me on a childhood memory. <laughs> okay. So similar to our service here, at the end of the Christmas Eve service, we turn off all the lights. Okay? They'd unplug the Christmas trees. I remember the woman who played the piano. She would lean up over the big black grand piano. She was kind of small. And she would turn the light off, and the room would be dark. So, so dark. To the point that there'd be a couple kids that would start to squirm, maybe whimper a little bit, reach for their mom or their dad. It was like only those ugly green exit signs. That was like the only thing you could see in the room. And as we sat in the darkness, my dad would say this. He'd talk about the hate and the evil of our world. He'd talk about murder and death and destruction and addiction and suffering. He'd say our world has strayed so far from what God created in Eden because we have strayed from him. Because of sin and the devastation due to the fallout, because of our sin, our world is full of darkness. And then my dad would light a single candle and talk about the great love of our Heavenly Father and his desire to make all things new, to restore all things, our brokenness and our pain, to reconcile us to him. John 1 says it this way, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And then my dad would go on to say, that God sent Jesus 
to be that light of our world. Without that one single candle, the room was really dark. <laughs> the light from the one candle overcame the darkness of the room. In John 8, 12, Jesus says it this way. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And again, in John 9, 5, Jesus tells us, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And then my dad would light the candle of just one other person. One other person would come on stage, and then there would be two candles lit. And he would say this, God did not give us the light to keep to ourselves. It's not for us to savor it, but for us to share it, to spread to the darkness. And then from those two candles, they would slowly pass the flame room by room, and the glow of the room would grow and grow. A room that was dark, like being in the middle of nowhere, far from a city in the middle of the night, that kind of dark, was glowing brightly, all because of one light was spread. Jesus, the light of the world. And he has given his light to us, you guys. That's what this Matthew 5 passage is saying to us. He calls us the light of the world. What a bold statement. From it being Jesus is the light of the world to you, you are the light of the world. He has invited us in to this radical, transforming work of bringing hope to the desperate, peace to those in turmoil, and light to the darkness. This is powerful. Um, I want to break up this verse just like line by line and kind of make sure that we really understand what's Jesus saying here, really get some good observations on it. So it's going to be up on the screen here, and we'll kind of do this together. But the first thing he says is, you are the light of the world. Bold statement, right? Many of us have heard this before. If we kind of grew up in the church, if we've been around the church, we know, we've heard this verse, we know it, right? Let's just break it down a little, a little farther. So you are the light of the world. This is a bold declaration. It's, it's Jesus speaking, saying to us what our identity is, straight from his mouth. Not a hope. He's not saying it like, I hope you will be. It's not a prayer. He's not saying, I pray that you, no, he's not speaking to the future, you will be, when, da, da, da. And he's not talking about the past either. He's saying right now, you, follower of Jesus, you are the light of the world. He goes on to say, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Again, this is just like a bold factual statement. It's not really up for interpretation or argument. And if you think about it, it it's actually quite true. A city perched up on a hill, it, you don't, it's not hidden. It'd be really hard for that city to be hidden, especially at nighttime when the lights are on in that city. I mean, whether a city is on a hill or in a valley, it's kind of hard to hide it. And then he goes on to say, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. So in this time, Lighting a lamp, lighting a candle, this was for the purpose of lighting a space, right? They didn't have electricity. So he's saying, how absurd would it be to light a candle and then put a bowl over it, right? Because not only would it hide the light, what else would it do, you guys? Yeah, it'd snuff it out. Like, it, it would defeat the whole purpose of it. Kind of like us walking into a room and flipping on the light switch and then going over to the lights and like trying to cover it up with, I don't know, like black trash bags and duct tape, right? Like to put it out. Or, or imagine camping and it's the middle of the night and it's like, pitch black in your tent and you look for your flashlight and you grab it and you turn it on but then you hide it under your sleeping bag right like that you just don't do that you don't light a light to put the light out right instead he says they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house ah of course they place the light in a place and space where it can serve its purpose where it can offer light to all those in the house that makes so much more sense in the same way he goes on to say in the same way, let your light shine 
before men, before others, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. In the same way, in the same way as the city on the hill that glows, in the same way as the lamp that you put up on a stand, in that same way, let your good deeds be shown so that people think you're a rock star. Right? Is that, is that what it says? No. It doesn't. It's not about us, right? So that they can do what? Praise your Father in heaven. Right? That our good deeds, it's not about us. It's about this light shining through us that leads people to God. Friends, God has put us on display at the top of that hill where we can't be hidden. And he has placed us, his glowing lamp, on that lampstand so that we can give light to everyone in the house. We're just hidden in plain sight, being as obvious as light. But how? I mean, us, us, we're kind of broken. We're really messy. Can I get an amen? Yeah. How can it be us? This is such a bold calling. But yet Jesus says it's us. Not by our works, not by our striving, not by trying really hard, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit. See, guys, this is not of us. It's not by us. It's not based on us. It's not through us. We can't create the light. We can't spark the match. We can't light the lamp. Acts 1.8 says it like this. Right before Jesus ascended to heaven, he said to his disciples, but you will receive my power. You will receive my power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. That's where it's coming from. That's how we're going to do this. The Holy Spirit, part of the triune God. So we have the Trinity, right? We have God the Father, God the Son, which is Jesus Christ, and then God the Holy Spirit. Some of us maybe have heard the term Holy Ghost. We prefer to say Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is not a ghost or a mist or an essence The Holy Spirit is a person of the Godhead, sent to be with us, to abide with us, to be our helper, to walk with us through this life, leading us, speaking to us, comforting us, giving us power to live the life that God called us to. God has deposited the Holy Spirit in us to illuminate the light of Jesus into our world. The Holy Spirit empowers us, empowers us to be the light, not just in this world that we see in front of us, but in the unseen spiritual world that's all around us. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are able to be the light that casts out darkness, that overcomes evil. You guys, this is such a big, beautiful calling. Yes, this is amazing. It's bold and it's awesome, and it's what Jesus is calling us to in Matthew 5. What an honor that the God of the whole universe has invited us into his plan of reconciliation. What a gift we've been given through the Holy Spirit. And friends, what I want us to do for the rest of our time is to just kind of ponder what this looks like, right? Like this verse is beautiful. And many of us, we've heard it and we've heard sermons on it. And that's great. But today, I don't want you to leave with just like, "Mm, that was nice, Mm, light, that's nice. That's not what we're going for here today. We're going to really sink into this and think, okay, how does this verse apply to me? And God, what are you saying to me through this? So here's what the question is of the day. What does the light of the world look like for us today, in our generation, 
here in the Silicon Valley. So from our passage that we just read, I, I know a couple things it doesn't look like. So instead of starting with what it does look like, let's do the opposite, okay? Here's what I know it doesn't sound like. <clears throat> um, first of all, our passage is pretty clear about the light in the bowl, isn't it? It's pretty clear. And I think that's because Jesus knew that for some of us, that would be our, our falling point. That that's kind of where we would trip up a little bit. And I think even right now in this room, there's some of us that as I was reading that, you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. Because I think some of us hide our lamp under a bowl or a basket. It defeats the purpose of the light, yet for some of us, this is just kind of where we live. Because it's scary to have our light out in public. And it feels a whole lot safer to hide our light a bit. And it definitely feels a lot more culturally acceptable to kind of just, I'll believe what I believe, you believe what you believe, we'll just, you know, keep it like that. We'd rather pick and choose when and where and with whom we let our little light shine. Yeah. And then some of us, we like swing the pendulum all the way to the other side. Um, and, and we're not so much hiding our light, we're like blinding people. Like floodlights, like floodlights, right? Um, th- this past week, you guys, uh, my husband and I were doing what parents do at night. We were washing dishes and making lunches in the kitchen. It is a fancy life we lead, let me tell you. Um, And as we're making our PBJs and slicing apples, uh, we can hear that there's like a lot going on outside. There's like a lot of commotion. We kind of live in a a noisy, crowded neighborhood, so this is not uncommon. We can hear there's like a helicopter overhead, and you know, it's a little unnerving. So my husband, being the excellent husband and great neighbor that he is, did what, you know, any smart person would do. He grabbed the trash to take it to the trash can to see what was going on outside, right? Totally, totally makes sense. So he walks out of the house, and the nice police officer in front of our house sent him right back in the house. And he was like, why don't you just go ahead and stay inside until we, like, take care of what we're doing out here. So Steve came back inside. Sure enough, there's, like, a police car on both sides of our street. The whole street's blocked off. There's a helicopter, like, right overhead doing little circles. Um, So we did what we do. We turned all the lights off. We grabbed some snacks dried mango, because we're trying to, you know, clean it up a little bit in the new year, and we sat at the window to watch and see what was going to happen, right? (laughs) Tell me I'm not the only one that did this. I checked on the kids first, too. The kids were good. They were fine. Okay. So we're sitting at the window watching, and there's actually not, like, there wasn't much action. There wasn't much going on. Um, But at one point, we did hear a police officer come over the loudspeaker, and he said this, I can see you back there. He was not talking to us. Don't worry. (laughs) He was not talking to us. He was talking to a person in the backyard of someone's house. And he said, I can see you back there. You need to come out with your hands up. And if you don't, we're sending in the canines and they will bite you. I I like turned to my husband. I'm like, did he just say they will bite you? Like, he's like, yeah, that's what they said. Very strange. I don't actually know how this night ended because the police cars went away and everything went back to normal and we went to bed. So I don't know what happened. But here's what I think. I think that this is just like a perfectly terrible example of how a lot of people think of Christians. Yeah. And I think there actually are some Christians that this is kind of their style. This is their way of trying to spread the gospel. And I think it's really tragic. This idea of like, yeah, we see you over there. Ugh, yuck. We see you in that darkness. You need to walk into the light. You got to clean yourself up. You're a mess. And if you don't come and do what we think you're supposed to do, we're going to send the dogs in to get you. Right? It's not what Jesus means. (laughs) 
That's not what he's saying in this passage. He's not telling us to send the floodlights, and he's not saying that we need to put a basket over ourselves. The truth is, light exposes darkness whether or not you want it to. We don't need to target floodlights at people because the Holy Spirit in us is enough. And sometimes we can be offensive to people just because the light is in us, right? Not even because we're trying to. But the light offends the dark. And the Holy Spirit in, in us convicts the heart. And so sometimes people just being around us, they, they see the light and it, and it convicts them. And I think that's why we shy away sometimes, you guys. So clearly both of these are not the right way to do it. So what does it look like for us to be the light of the world? What does it look like? What I want us to do is to stop and think through the purpose of the light. All right? Let's think, what is the purpose of light? I came up with a couple things that I think are really central to what the purpose of light is. I think first, light reveals what is in the darkness, right? It breaks the darkness and it reveals what has been hidden there all along. And it doesn't even take much light to kind of see what was there. You didn't even know it was there. You turn the light on, oh, th there it is, right there, it was hiding. Light reveals what is in the darkness. Light also repels the darkness. It only takes a flicker and the darkness has been overcome. It rep it's repelling it. Um, see, you can't overcome light with darkness, right? You can't like put a light in a room and then put so much darkness in that it's gonna overcome that light. But you can do the opposite, right? You can take a dark space and bring in a light and it repels it. This, this uh, is just kind of the same as people who maybe put up like sensor lights or floodlights outside their homes, outside their businesses. They actually see like crime decreases, right? Because there's light. People can't get away with stuff in the darkness. The, the light repels the darkness. It's the same in the spiritual realm. Darkness flees in the presence of God's light. Light repels the darkness. Light also shines as a guide. It shines like a lighthouse, drawing people to safety, right? It shines to show people the way. It gives clarity of sight that you can, so you can see where you're going if you want to be seen, if you want to be drawn into the light. Light, it also offers warmth. I think of the sun, right? What a perfect example of light. It offers warmth. It gives energy. It sustains life. So light reveals what's in the darkness. It repels the darkness. Light guides and draws people to safety. And light gives warmth and energy and life. And dear friends, I believe that God has called us to do exactly these same things as his light of the world. Exactly these same things. I want to share with you a few examples of where I've seen this, where I've observed it. And I want you to think through the examples of what you've observed in your life too. First, I want to think kind of globally. Like globally, wh where do we see this? Where does this happen? The first thing I think of, missionaries and organizations all over the world, okay? Including the ones that are revealing what is in the dark and repelling darkness, like an international justice mission. Have you guys heard of IGM? Yeah, these people are powerful. They have a vision to end slavery globally during our lifetime. I mean, that's like a huge vision, but they are going after it, you guys. They are in countries all over the world shutting down slavery. It's powerful. They're repelling darkness, aren't they? <laughs> For sure. I also think of Agape International Missions. This is an organization that um, a, friend, a dear friend of mine was a part of, and they're working to get girls who are stuck in child sex trafficking out. They're working to get them out. 
to teach him skills, to get him educated, repelling the darkness. And then there's organizations um, that are more like that bright, shining light, that guide, shining brightly and, and giving energy, sustaining new life. I think of Wycliffe. This is an organization that translates Bibles. I don't know if you guys have heard of them. They're massive. But they say that there are over 7,000 languages in our world, both written and signed. And they believe that there's only about 2,000 left that have not heard the gospel. They don't have a translation or a Bible in their language. And it is their goal to shine the light that way. Isn't that powerful? I also think of our dear friends in Haiti, Jean-Jean and Christy, Mom Premier. If you've been around Awakening Well, you know we got this partner organization in Haiti and we love them. We send people to them. Um, we, they've come and spoken to us. We've helped raise money to build wells in Haiti. They have a phenomenal organization. Y'all, they are all about warmth. They're all about sustaining life. Right now, they have 1,300 students from preschool to ninth grade. They have 1,000 kids in their, uh, not kids, adults in their university, including theology students and medical students and nursing students and teachers. They have agriculture programs, teaching people how to farm, both for a career and then also to feed their families. Because Haiti is the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. And Jean-Jean and Christy had it on their hearts. God put it on their hearts to start this. They started it from scratch. And this is the ministry they've built up. They have graduated 25 pastors from their um, theology school. And 12 of them have gone on to plant churches, and another 10 are working in churches. 22 out of 25 graduates are doing God's work. I mean, this is powerful. This is the light. This is what it is. And I think even here at our church, we have some crew students that went to the Middle East over their holiday break. Instead of skiing or hanging with family, they went on mission with Oasis to the Middle East. And we have um, members from our church that are living in the Middle East as well because they felt God pull it on their heart, tug it on their heart to go. That's what it looks like globally. Let's think about it locally. What does it look like locally? to be the light. Um, I think of a family in our church, and I won't say their names because that's not the kind of people they are. They would never want to be um, honored publicly. But you guys, these people have an undeniable call to their neighborhood. Undeniable. They're like neighborhood pastors. They host meals. They open up their home. They open up their backyard. They're extremely strategic in how they pray for and love their neighbors because they know that they are a bright light in a neighborhood that is far from Jesus. And they know that that's why God put them there. What a beautiful example. I think also of people in our church uh, who work for the same companies. I've heard stories of people who are working at the same company, on the same project, on the same team, and they realize, dude, we both love Jesus. Let's get together and pray for these other people that don't. I mean, how powerful is that? And how simple is that? I think of parents in our church who pray for and serve their local public schools, right? Giving hours of volunteer time, coaching, working in the classroom, being in places where you can't even, you can't say Jesus, right? And this isn't just parents in our church. This is people of all ages that just serve in capacities where they're giving their light and their love in places where you can't even prof profess the name of Jesus, but you can love people, you can be a caring adult, and you might be the only person that that person knows that loves Jesus, showing kids what it looks like. Um, I think specifically of our awesome Roland who had a birthday today. What, what? But y'all, I'm talking about you. Okay, cool. Um, y'all, he goes to a public middle school every Thursday for lunchtime and eats pizza with kids and talks about Jesus. 
I mean, how fun is that, right? This is like light in the darkness. That's so powerful. I also think of families in our congregation who open up their doors and their lives to their kids' friends who come from really broken homes. Yeah. I'm sure there's some people in this room right now that maybe even lived a teenage life that was kind of yuck and maybe having a family that loved Jesus that said, yeah, come for dinner whenever you want was like a thing, right? These are just some really specific examples of what people are doing to be the light, even within our church. The way that God uses each of us is different, you guys, because we are different. It makes me think of stained glass windows. Who's been to like some beautiful cathedrals? Anyone? Yeah, yeah, your hands are low. It's okay, you can confess, it's awesome. This summer we were in Paris. Um, We took our kids to see my husband's family in Greece. All of his family's Greek. So we finally got the chance to take them over and meet. And I figured out that the cheapest way to get in and out of Athens was through a layover in Paris, and then we just stayed two days. I, it just, I made it work. It was so awesome. But we got to see some amazing cathedrals in the stained glass. I mean, huge, amazing, ginormous. There's going to be a picture going up here. It doesn't really even show the glory here. But you guys, can you, I mean, do you see what's going on here? So gorgeous. Okay, this is kind of the visual I want us to think about when we're thinking about this uniqueness, okay? See, light is not just utilitarian. It shows forth creativity. It shows forth beauty, uniqueness, similar to this stained glass window that's made up of different colors and pictures and images and stories. That's what we're like, you guys. In the dark, you only see dark glass. It's only when the light shines through that you see the beauty and the uniqueness. It's kind of exactly the same with us. Some of us are servers. Some of us are listeners. Some of us are counselors. We're comfort givers. Some of us open our homes. Some of us open our wallets, open our hearts. Some of us boldly share the gospel. We're just like evangelists. It just comes out of our mouth wherever we are. And some of us boldly share the gospel and we don't ever say the name of Jesus. Our lives just proclaim it. This happens in our homes, in our schools, in our offices, in our athletic clubs, in our sports clubs, in our gyms. This happens on social media, in our blogs, and in restaurants, and coffee shops, and bars. See, Christ is the source. We are the tool to show the light. And another thing that I love about stained glass is that if you think about it, it's actually made up of broken pieces of glass. I mean, I know there's a lot more that goes into making it, but people, that's what it is different colors and shapes, broken, cut, and cracked to form a unique, creative, purposeful image. God takes all of our broken pieces, doesn't he? All of our pain, all of our stories, all the places and things that he's reconciled, he puts them all together, and he shines his light through it, and we are his beautiful stained glass. And when we walk in the light, it shines through us so that others can see our good deeds and praise our Father in heaven. And here's the thing. The greater the light is in us, the more the brightness can shine. Imagine a cathedral like on a cloudy, 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 dark day. Does the glass look good? No. All the colors just kind of mush together. But when the light shines through, it is absolutely vibrant. It's the same with us, Christ in us. The light shines brighter as he is greater and we are less. See, our proximity to the light changes us. It changes us. For Christmas, my six-year-old daughter got a $10 bill from her grandparents. When you're six, that's a lot of money. That's like a big thing. 
So she went to G. Willikers Toy Shop. This is in Hood River, Oregon. And she picked out some glow-in-the-dark stars. Raise your hand if you've ever had glow-in-the-dark stars on your walls or ceiling. Yes. Raise those hands with pride, you guys. Yeah. Thank you. When I was in high school, I mean, I think all the way through my senior year, I had them above my bunk bed because it's the coolest thing ever. So now at night, when we're getting the kids ready for bed, instead of doing what we've always done, which is like, bring the lights down, turn the music down, bring, down, bring it down. Any parents in the room, you know what I'm talking about? Y'all are, you guys are kind of young. It's okay. It's kind of what you try to do. There's like a lot of noise and chaos. But instead of doing that now, do you know what we have to do at bedtime? We've got to turn all her lights on like full-on bright, because have you ever looked at a glow-in-the-dark star in the middle of the day? Nothing, right? You got to charge it. That's what we say. We got to charge up your stars. So we put our lights on, and we count if she's really tired to 20. If we got more time, it's to 60, because it's good to practice counting. And then when we turn the lights off, those stars glow, right? And the ones that glow the most are the ones closest to her little chandelier, because of their proximity to the light. They soak up that light, and then they shine. 1 John 1, 5 through 7 tells us this. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet we walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, our light shines brightly, like my daughter's glow in the dark stars. <laughs> See, Awakening, we, us, we are a city on a hill. We are a community of light. You are not a single candle. It may feel like that sometimes, but you're not. Awakening, this is why we gather together on Sunday in the middle of the weeks for our groups. We gather to encourage and recharge so that you can go and be that light in the darkness. We are fed, we worship, we connect with Jesus so that we can glow brighter as we leave. We don't exist to just sit around and shine at each other, right? That's not the purpose of it. We're already glowing. We've got to take it out. So as I close, I'm going to invite our worship team to mosey back on up. And this is kind of what I want to leave you guys with today. You are God's lamp sitting on a lampstand. So here's my question for you to ponder. Who is in your house? The purpose of the lamp is to give light to all of those in the house. So who's in your house? Yes, they may actually be the people you live with, but it's more than that. It's, it's the people you work with. It's the people you work out with, where you eat, where you play, the communities you're a part of, both physical communities and virtual communities. Wherever you have a voice, wherever you have an influence, wherever you have a presence, awakening, that's your house. That's where your lampstand is. And I want to invite you to ask God to show you the darkness around you. We carry God's light with us everywhere we go. Whether we try to or not, as followers of Jesus, it goes with us and it shines. Even when we don't know it, even when we're not trying, and there's times that God will do things through us and we have no clue. I don't think until we get to heaven, we will have no clue. But there's other times that there's something really specific that God has for us. So I want you to ask God, God, where's the darkness? Where is it? And then I want you to invite the Holy Spirit 
to make you really aware of the pain around you, hidden right there in the dark. The people that God has placed in your life that just really need hope. The people that need light. The people who need peace. I know there have been times in my life when I've asked God this, when I've said, Lord, will you break my heart for what breaks yours? You guys remember when as a church that was our prayer this fall? Yes, I love your nodding heads. We took those little cards home, we put them up. We prayed, God, break your heart for what breaks mine. We're praying that. And it's amazing how the Holy Spirit shows us. All of a sudden, someone who's always been there, you're like, oh, wow, look at them hurting. And sometimes it just starts with us praying for them. And then we follow the Holy Spirit in being a light. I loved Gabe's example, you guys, from the video earlier. This idea that there's a car in the garage. Now, I know in California, many of us either don't have garages or we don't park our cars in the garage. But just imagine, your car's in the garage. God has given you this car. It's, it's just sitting there. It's just sitting there. And guys, this is not like my granddad's old pickup truck that he pulled out twice a year to help move a piano or something, right? You know what you got in your garage? Y'all, you got a Tesla. It's a good-looking Tesla, too. It's fully charged. It is time to open up that garage. Take that car for a drive. Because Awakening Church... You're the light of the world. Awakening Church, you are a city on a hill. You don't put a bull or a basket over a city on a hill. No. You place it on a lampstand for all to see so they can see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven.